0: Y'all agree with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, I pray over this time in the Word, I thank you. Just even as I'm preaching tonight, just a fresh anointing. Just fill and saturate with your glory. Let the presence of the Lord be so thick and strong. The Holy Spirit, Father, we pray would just lock people in to give you their best, your full attention, their focus. And Lord, that you would anoint their eyes to be able to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking and showing us. That we're not just perceiving it from a natural perspective, but rather we're perceiving it from a spiritual, Holy Spirit-led perception. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of Truth will come and lead us into all truth. And so, Lord, we ask You to help us by Your Holy Spirit to really ascertain this information tonight, to get it into us. Let it go out as living seeds of truth, sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit. Take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold fruit. Wonderful harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And we bind any hindrance. And Lord, we ask you to just get everybody locked in right now by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Alright, I'm going to talk a little bit about symbolism and interpretation, but mainly about hearing the voice of the Lord. One of the reasons why I'm doing this series is because, um, first off, a lot of people come to me about dreams which is wonderful and let me just say I enjoy hearing your dreams I do and I and I pray with you about them and all of that okay so don't take what I'm saying a different way because I do I enjoy talking to you about them and I pray about them and God uses me a lot with that dream interpretation but my heart is though that you learn how to interpret the dreams yourself so that's what this is about and also um, that we begin to hear God's voice on there before you know there's 30 60 100 fold and 30-fold is like the the baby Christian. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we should no longer be tossed to and fro by winds of doctrine and and craftiness of men. But spiritual infants tend to be tossed to and fro. And then the next level, the 60-fold, are the sons. So you go from babies to sons And the sons of God, the Bible says, are those that are led by the Spirit. Amen? The sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God. Those are the ones that have learned how to hear God's voice and to move with Him. And then the hundredfold are those that have obtained maturity and have gotten to a place where they can be spiritual fathers and mothers to others. So that's the maturity process. God takes us from spiritual infants that tend to be tossed to and fro to where we become sons of God. We learn how to be led by the Spirit. We learn the Word of God. That's part of it, but we learn to be led by the Spirit, and we're we're mature. And then, ultimately, we mature into spiritual fathers and mothers that God can use then to disciple others. So my heart is that, you know, one of the things you'll see, and I've, I've tried to make this as clear as I can in times past, but I'm not moved very much by just because some new thing comes along. If it's a new thing that's God's doing, I'll know it. And when I know it, I'll get right in the middle of it, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm not just quick about that. Okay? You know, I'm not tossed to and fro by every wind of, of teaching and every new thing and every fad and every uh, the craftiness of men, the manipulation of men, the charismatic personalities, and all these. Areas. It doesn't. It doesn't cause me to to go back and forth. I know what I believe. You know, and I'm established in the Word. I can back it up with Scripture. I know it, and I've got roots. And when you get roots down deep. And what you believe. And you know what you believe. You're established in the faith. The winds of things don't move you. You're, you're planted in the Lord. And there's going to be a lot of weird, bizarre things in these last days. Amen. And so it's important for us to get some deep roots in what we believe. That And the basics, it's, it's on our website, just real quick, some of the basics is, is that um, we believe that God's, Word, the Bible, is the only infallible Word of God. There's not other holy books. There's one Bible. You've got to get that deep down in you because there's a lot in these last days, there's a lot of challenging now, that the Bible's been altered. And how many knows that if I can write a book, copyright it and watch over it, how much more so can God write a book and watch over it, okay? It is the Word of God. It is perfect and infallible. And also you've got to get established in Jesus Christ is the only way to God. There's not another way. God will not accept another way. And you're going to have to get established in Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man's going to come to the Father. So we believe in God, the God of Abraham, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the only way. The cross is the only way. And there's certain things that you've got to get down in your spirit and get established that you believe that and you're not going to be moved. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I believe, I know. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with us in our spirit that we're children of God. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, but we need an instructor. You know, when you get saved, all of you have done this, when you first got saved and you were young in the Lord, you picked up a Bible, probably a King James Bible, and you opened it and you started reading. And you thought to yourself, you had flashbacks to um, Shakespeare. okay? And you thought, you thought, what in the world doth he sayeth? Um, I understand not. And <laughs> that's where... We need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, he begins to help you understand what you could not understand. That's why the world and secular educated people will say, I've read the Bible. But they didn't get it. And the reason why they don't understand is because they don't have the Spirit of God. They may have read it, but it was just like reading, you know, War and Peace or some other novel. They just It was just to them, it was just an educational experience. It was just in their mind. But when you're born of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit lives within you, it's totally, completely different. Because you have the ability by the Holy Ghost to begin to understand the things of God, the, the mysteries, the, the things that other, the world cannot understand. Jesus taught us that these things would be foolishness to the world. He taught us that. He taught us that we'd be persecuted and that his words and his spirit would seem foolish to the world. And the Apostle Paul said that the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. So that's kind of the way that I'm coming at this today, is that I want you to begin to understand how to hear God's voice. That, that's some of the things as a pastor I get a lot of, because the Holy Spirit's moving so powerfully in this ministry, I get a lot of, of people telling me, I had this vision, I saw this, um, I, I had this dream. You know, I heard this, and that's awesome. Thank you for telling me. I want you to tell me. It's encouraging. But I also want you to come to a place where you're saying, okay, I understand why I have that. I understand what the Lord is trying to show me. That it's not just a cool experience, but rather God is showing me something for a reason. He's speaking. Why did God show that to you and not somebody else? Why did you see it? Because God wants you to get a revelation. He's trying to speak to you. <clears throat> so we know without recapping too much that in these last days God's going to pour out spirit on all flesh and there's going to be a lot of dreams and visions and prophecy so another thing is people say well how do I know God's speaking to me some people like I, I pray I don't feel like I hear anything I don't feel like I'm seeing anything and then other people say well I I feel like I hear a lot and I see a lot which one's God?" What happens is, is over time, your, your inner man is getting developed. Okay? It's just like lifting weights. You, you start out at a certain weight, but your physical body begins to develop. What happens is that as you, as you grow in Christ, as you grow in the Word and in, in your prayer life, you're in God's presence, you pray in the tongues, you pray in the Spirit, your inner man is getting built up and strengthened and also more sensitive. There was a time when I first got saved You know, I I wouldn't feel hardly anything. You know what I'm saying? You just go in somewhere and you don't notice much. But the more that you grow in the Lord, the more sensitive to the spirit you are, the more sensitive to things around you. Because your inner man has been developed and is more um, in tune with the Lord and more sensitive to Him. And more sensitive to what's going on. You can tell if it's of God or not more easily because your inner man is developed. And that's the part of you that the Holy Spirit is primarily speaking to. So the Holy Spirit... Will, will give you something in your spirit and then that will come up into your mind like a, a vision or or some kind of a word. But here's the thing. Somebody says, well, I, I hear a lot of things or I think a lot. You'll Over time, you'll learn that when a certain thought, a certain vision, a certain thing comes to you, you'll feel in your spirit a nudge that that was from the Lord. Because right now I can say, close your eyes and I'll say red apple and you're going to see a red apple. Okay, so a lot of people, they'll pray and worship, and they'll see something. It may just be, but whenever God shows you something, you, over time you'll learn that your inner man, your spirit, will give you a nudge. That's from the Lord, and you'll know that was different. That was God speaking. He was showing me something. And, and a lot of people have a lot of dreams. There's some people I've heard that don't ever dream. Is there anybody here that you feel like you hardly ever have any dreams at all? Okay, there's a few. And then there's other people. How many of you feel like I have dreams all the time, like I constantly? Okay, so you have two polar opposites there. But listen, those that never have dreams, God, God's going to give you some dreams, I'm telling you. But others that they say, I have a lot of dreams. How do I know which one's God? Because, like I said, over time, your inner man, your spirit man, you'll feel a nudge from the Lord. You'll feel something within you that that is saying to you, that's from God. That, that was significant, and you feel it. In your spirit, that's where you've got to get to. Because the Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman, and he's not going to come up behind you and just whack you on the back of the head. and It's like, okay, you know, that was from the Lord. No, he doesn't do that. So the Holy Spirit is the type that that it's a gentle nudging. So we've got to learn that. Like Elijah, remember the the wind ripped the rocks, and there was the great fire, the earthquake. Remember, and Elijah just said that God's not in it. And then all of a sudden, the still small voice came. He puts up his prayer shawl, goes out because he knew God was in that. He knew God's voice. So we've got to get to a place where we know, even though there's a lot of stuff going on, somebody knows when you're around this, you know, different types of moves of God and different things going on, there's a lot of activity, okay? There can be a lot of things. But you have to know, what is the Lord in? And God, whenever, here's another thing I've learned. Whenever you move with the Lord, whatever that is, When you move in that direction, the anointing will increase. You'll feel it. But if you either go the wrong direction or you stay too long where you're at, the anointing will begin to subside some. So that's one of the ways, those that are called to ministry, it's one of the ways you'll learn to be led by the Spirit. Whenever you feel the anointing starting to wane a little and pull back, it's like, okay, Lord, what are you you doing? And the Lord will tell you maybe a certain song or a certain direction or just to be quiet. There may be a, a gift of the Spirit come forth. And, and all of a sudden when somebody's obedient to the Holy Spirit and they step out that direction, the anointing will go up to a whole nother level. That's another way that the Holy Spirit speaks. There's, there's the whole realm of peace. Like, you know, God gives you, you feel like you're getting something, but... Somebody's given you a prophetic word, or you, you're praying about something, and and you you just really don't feel peace about it. You feel uneasy. That's another way the Holy Spirit speaks. He's saying that it, that may not be good. Now, of course, you have to learn to differentiate between that and your own not feeling peace, because that can be you. And then other times, the Lord will show you things out of His Word. I mean, you're you're reading the Bible, He's going through it. And all of a sudden, something really sticks out. I mean, you just really feel it. There's a lot of prophetic words that, that come forth, like on Elijah list of different things, and all of them are good, and I, you know. But there are certain times that certain ones will really just, it's like slapping you in the face. You just know, that's for me. And that's another way God speaks. So the, the point is, is that, that your inner man is developed to a place where you can feel that nudge from the Lord, this is me. I'm in this word. I'm in this song. I'm in this vision. I'm in this dream. What's going on right now, that's me. You can feel that nudge. You know. These are different ways that God speaks. And over time, as we learn to hear his voice, you know, Jesus knew the Spirit's leading so clear, crystal clear. He said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it, unless I don't speak anything, unless I I hear the Father speaking it, because the Spirit, He was so in tune with the Holy Spirit. And God's wanting us to get locked in like that, very in tune with the Lord. All right, so let me give you a few things tonight. Um, I'm mainly just going to read over all this. and and Listen, I want you, as you go tonight, if you want to jot down some questions, you know, If something comes, because this is a sermon, I'm not going to answer a lot of questions in this. We're recording this, but after the sermon, if you have some questions, I want to answer them, okay? We're going to pray with people, and, and God's going to powerfully touch you guys. <laughs> if you're able to ask questions, if, if not, then we'll talk later, because God's, I'm telling you, God's in this place powerful tonight. Alright, a few quick things. Um, mark, Let me move quick. Marking your family. Um, those of you that parents will be parents, grandparents. It is so important. You know, you can take communion with the little ones, tell them what it is, take communion with them, anoint them with oil, but it's so important that you speak a a blessing over them while they're young, and that if God gives you a prophetic word, like Pastor Jeff was talking about last night, like a word over them, that you speak that word over them because those little ones that will come on them. I don't know how it works, but those words settle on them and stick to them. And because they're marked like that, they've been anointed with oil by a family member, an authority figure. They've been anointed with oil. They've been blessed and they've been prophesied over. They're marked by God. God's hands on them. They're marked. They're not like everybody else. They may come up against impossible odds in life, and God, just like the Red Sea, God will part the water supernaturally for them to cross. They may be, you may look at them and they seem like they're out of the will of God and you're concerned. God, they're marked, okay? God will snatch them through the knothole, as they say in the south, okay? God will pull them through. When somebody is marked by God, their life is not going to be like the world. It's not going to be where just circumstances happen. They're marked by God. God's hands upon them, and he will move their life into their destiny. Just keep praying for them. And don't pray wimpy prayers. Let me encourage you, once you bless and you prophesy over them and you mark them and you know God's hands on them, then don't sit around begging God over and over, oh God, you know, don't do that. Praise him and thank him, Lord, I thank you. They're marked. I thank you that you you gave this prophetic word and it's coming to pass that you they are blessed i blessed them and i thank you that those blessings are happening in their life i may not see it right now in the natural it doesn't matter it's still happening and their life is going to move into their destiny quit begging god and get into faith too many times i think we're looking at natural things and it causes doubt and it causes double-mindedness get out of that that's not how you get places with god Get back into faith and praise Him and thank Him because they're marked and they're different and God is doing a work. And the same thing I would say with the church. Those that are leaders in the church, it's important to take the Lord's Supper with the people, anoint them with oil, bless them and and prophesy over people because it is marking them. And later on in life when when they're going through things, that prophetic word, that blessing, will cause them to get, they'll, they'll pull through it victoriously because of what's on them. I don't understand that, but words come on people. It's just like in the negative realm, a curse that's on somebody will follow them and keep causing negative. This is the the opposite. That, That prophetic word, those blessings that they're wearing, it's on them, it will cause good things in their life. Things will work out for them that wouldn't work out for somebody else. Amen? Another thing that I've seen... This is just an observation because I'm dealing with the prophetic. The greatest enemies to the prophetic is a python type spirit, which is divination, and another one is a Jezebel spirit. Think about it. The spirit of Elijah is called, you know, the prophetic. The spirit of Elijah. Well, who's going to be the, the enemy of the spirit of Elijah? Common sense it's the spirit of Jezebel. But listen to this. The Jezebel spirit will take people back into what they've been delivered out of. I'm telling you, I've seen it. Where God delivered people out of a geographic situation that they needed to be out of, that they're right back in it. They're living in the same place. I've seen people get delivered out of sin. And that spirit seduced them, and they're right back in that sin even worse than before. I've seen where God um, altered their life. I mean, supernaturally moved in their life, and brought them out of some dead, I've seen this with my eyes, out of some dead religion or something to find themselves right back in the same place, the same place that they came out of, the same place. That seems to mark Jesma. Think about the life of Elijah. Elijah had just, tried to imagine this because I know that it's so outside of our box in the way that we live here in America. But imagine him standing on Mount Carmel And the prophets of Baal are dancing around half naked. They cut themselves bloods everywhere. They're doing a satanic ritual. And Elijah prays, a fire falls from heaven like a lightning bolt, hits this altar. All the people are afraid. They fall down their face. Elijah, your God is the true God. And Elijah grabs 450 prophets of Baal and Asherah, 450, and kills every single one of them. That's a lot of people to kill. Okay, and he—I'm sure other people were snatching him, not letting them get away. And Elijah went through and killed every single one of those 450 people. And this, this Jezebel spirit came against him. And now, to Elijah's defense, you know, he didn't—he didn't have what we have today. He didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the blood of Jesus on him. He didn't have the armor of God. He didn't have the name of Jesus to rebuke it and all that. He didn't have all that. But he was sitting there, and. Jezebel was in her palace or whatever and sends a messenger to him and says, may the gods do to me and even worse if by this time tomorrow you're not dead like them. Well, Elijah, what Elijah should have done was he should have remembered the victory God gave him and should have remembered the authority on his life and what he should have done was sit there on that rock and told that messenger, Go back and tell Jezebel that I'll be sitting on this rock tomorrow about this time. And if I'm not dead like she threatened me, I'm going to be at her palace. And I'm going to do to her what I did to those prophets. That's what he should have done. And he should have just sat on that rock. And just waited. Because she wasn't going to be able to do it. And then he should have got up and said, now I'm coming to your house. Okay? And it should have been a forward momentum. Momentum. It was like there was a forward momentum, but instead, when that threat came, he was—he went backward. He went the wrong direction, and God was merciful. God sent an angel to him. God ministered to him. He found himself on Mount Hor or whatever. He was back, but that's—that's that's where the Israelites came from. Was that area of Sinai? They came out of that. He shouldn't have gone back to that. He should have moved forward. So what I'm saying is, is that a Jezebel spirit takes people backward instead of forward. Amen. Another thing the Bible says to fight for the prophetic words over your life. First Timothy one 18, this command, I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you fight the good fight. Now, what in the world does that mean? What it means is this, that once God has given you a word How many of you know that the devil's going to challenge that? And just like, for example, the children of Israel were told, you're going to go into a promised land. It's going to be flowing milk and honey. You're going to have vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build. It's going to be wonderful. So the first thing they had to go through, though, they had to go through the exact opposite of that, which was the wilderness, which was a desert wasteland. It's kind of like that. Whenever God gives you a word, it's like the devil's going to make sure that it seems like that word's not going to come to pass. So you have to fight the good fight of faith. And there's something so powerful about taking a true prophetic word of the Lord that God has given you. Maybe you've written that down or whatever, and that you go in your prayer time before the Lord and say, Lord, this was spoken over my life. This is the word of the Lord. And I'm just bringing it back to your remembrance because the devil's trying to prevent it. But you, you, said there's something about that when you take that prophetic word to the Lord and and you say Lord but you said you watch God will part the waters man God will move on your behalf but it's the fight of faith so I tell people it's so important that you lay hold of these prophetic words and don't let them go because a lot of times one of the main things I've learned about the prophetic God gives words and sometimes it is years before they come to pass but yet we think it'll happen tomorrow we think surely next week we think oh in six months I've done it too we think oh it'll happen soon and it can be years before it happens that it's important that you remember that because you get under the anointing and you speak a prophetic word and you know it's God I mean you feel it and you and it seems like you feel it being in intimate Imminence, like upon you, like it's gonna happen now. It's like this intensity about it. But yet the word of the Lord can be over a long period of time. There's times that God gives somebody a word and it's a decade or two before they see it fulfilled. So the point of it being that you can't that that's where most people miss it right there. Because they think, well, I guess I missed God. Let me give you an example. There was a couple guys that gave a prophetic word about this Pope before the current Pope that he was going to um, step down. They gave a prophetic word. And they prophesied the month that it would happen. The month comes, and it didn't look like anything happened. And then the month passes and passes and passes. is like a month or two later, maybe three months later. And they said, well, I guess we, you know. And then the Pope stepped down. And they thought, well, I guess we missed it or whatever, but but this is what happened. The Pope had actually stepped down the exact moment they prophesied he would, but he didn't do it publicly. He did it in private. And then it came out publicly later. So their prophecy was accurate. So the, the, the whole moral of that lesson is this right here, that just because you don't see something doesn't mean something's not going on. Just because there's a prophetic word and you don't see it with your eyes happening right then, don't get out of faith. Listen, God's still at work. You may not always see what He's doing. You feel something's going on around this time frame and you prophesy something's going on. I don't know what it is. Something will happen. Just because you don't see it with your eyes, that means something ain't going on. Okay? These are just some things I've learned about the prophetic over the years. Okay? And so, stay in faith. You know what? There was a story of a a woman of God, a powerful minister of the gospel. And God had prophesied to her that she was going to have such and such and it had to do with, with different things, provision and other things going on and she had gotten to a situation where she was destitute I mean financially wiped out and she was very frustrated and she was she was complaining to the Lord it's a true story, I heard it from her complaining to the Lord, why in the world is this going on and God spoke to her and said because you're sitting around grumbling and complaining and you're out of faith and you're in doubt and you're in unbelief, you need to get out of that And the Lord said, you need to start declaring what I spoke of. You know what? She did. She said, I'm sorry, Lord. I've been been in sin. I've been wrong. And she began to speak the word of the Lord again. Lord, you said this, this, and this is going to happen. You said it. I believe it. And she kept speaking that. Did you know God turned that whole thing around? Miracles started happening. A job opened miraculously. Things just opened up for her. The the point is is when you get a word from the Lord you've got to stay in faith about that word because if the devil can get you in doubt and he can get you in unbelief it can delay it can actually cause you to sit in a wilderness when you're supposed to be in a promised land already but you're still sitting in the wilderness you got to get out of that and you've got to praise him and thank him for he is doing it I may not see it I may not feel it but it is still happening There's certain things I've made a little list that I say, I try to say it every day. And it's just different little confessions I make. But one of the things in that is I thank you, Lord, that every true prophetic word that's been spoken over my life and over this ministry, it is coming to pass. It's happening. It's in the works. I try to say that every day. And I mean it because it is happening. I may not always see it every day, but it's still happening. There's still angels at work. The Holy Spirit's still networking things. There's a momentum. If I ever sat around and pulled down the blinds, got in a dark room, and put my hand like this, you know, and I sit there pouting and griping, Lord, nothing's happening, all that, you know what? It may stop everything. Everything will grind to a halt, and they'll stop being a forward momentum. All right, another thing is, Territorial, geographical spirits try to press through underlying unresolved issues in people's lives so areas that, that are not healed areas that are not completely delivered areas that's why a lot of times God will sideline somebody <clears throat> you know if you know anything about sports you'll know that a lot of times coaches will see somebody get really tired or whatever and they'll sideline them. give them a break put somebody else in a lot of times God will sideline somebody, and the reason he's doing it is because he loves them. And he knows that there's some underlying unresolved issues they might may not even be aware of, but they're on the sideline because it's got to get dealt with. Because if they were trying to do what they want to do, and even what they're called to do prematurely, these geographical forces will try to tap into that and really hurt that person. It's important that we allow the Lord to completely heal and deliver us, isn't it? So there's not areas for these things to come in and begin to oppress through those areas, okay? 3 John 2 says, I pray that you will prosper and be in divine health as your soul prospers. All right, the next thing I want to say is this. The Apostle Paul, let me give you a warning. Some of you are getting this sermon series and you're all excited about Revelation. I am too, I love Revelation, but let me tell you, let me give you a warning. Remember I gave you that scripture out of Ecclesiastes about how pride, that where there's an abundance of revelation, there can be a lot of spiritual pride. The Apostle Paul, in my opinion, I've studied his life, seems that that was his battle. His battle was with spiritual pride. And he said it. Right here in um, 2 Corinthians twelve seven. he said, Because of the abundance of revelations that were given to me, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. Why? to keep him humble it says it in the Bible There's, it's good to pursue revelation but don't try to pursue too much revelation and get a big head about yourself you know what the thorn of flesh was And the, it, Paul explained it he said it was a messenger a fallen angel that was following him around stirring up riots and stirring up all kinds of chaos in his life and that fallen angel would follow him around and cause all this stuff to happen And God permitted it, and it was to keep Paul humble. And Paul pleaded with the Lord to take that thing away, and God said, my grace is sufficient. Why did God say grace? Because grace comes through humility. And so God was working in Paul a humility, and you could see it throughout his writings. Because he started out in early writings like Galatians, and he would say, hey, I'm no less, I am no, I'm not inferior to any of these so-called super apostles. He's referring to Peter and John and those guys. I'm not inferior to them. I'm just as significant in my ministry as them. And that's that was true. you know. And then the next, later on in his writings, I'm the least. And then later on in his writings, I'm the least of all the saints. And then right before he died, I'm the greatest of sinners. You could see throughout his life, God had worked in him humility. So be careful with pursuing great revelation because there can come great spiritual pride and great spiritual pride will bring a lot of destruction. Amen? So it's very important that we handle revelation with humility and grace. Let me say also real quick before I get into this that God moves powerfully in prophetic acts. I don't understand these, but they're powerful. Second, Kings thirteen five. Right before Elisha died, Elisha, Had um, he began to get with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel was um, praying about he was in war. And the king of Israel needed the victory. And Elisha took his hands and had him shoot a bow through the window. And then also had him take and strike arrows on the ground. And Elisha in his old age was angry with the king because the king was not striking the arrows to the ground enough. He only did it three times. And Elisha said, because you only did it three times, you're only going to have three victories over, I believe it was Aram that they were fighting. But you're only going to have three victories. But if you would have struck those arrows six or seven times, you would have annihilated the enemy. See, the king of Israel wasn't in tune with what God was doing. Elisha was. And Elisha knew that that was actually a prophetic act. What does that mean? Why is there certain things? Why Why did Elisha take whenever the waters needed to be changed? Why did he throw salt in the waters? Why whenever the axe head was lost, why in the world did he throw a stick in the water? Why didn't he just pray? Because there are certain things that God will lead you to do, like Pastor Jeff was talking about last night, that seem ridiculous, but when you step out and do it, it's a prophetic act. See, the king of Israel most likely was... Um, it was probably to some degree a pride issue because he felt silly striking the ground. You see what I'm saying? And Elisha's looking at him going, well, why aren't you hitting? And he, and he felt at some point he probably felt a little silly. But if he would have kept doing that prophetic act, it would have broke things open. So when God speaks to you these prophetic acts, and it may seem silly, you know, in your personal prayer time, God may lead you to, to dance a certain way and it's, it's like a prophetic dance and you feel silly. Listen, if you're by yourself, who cares anyway? And God may lead you about certain things that, that He wants you to do. It's important that you step out and do it because when you do those prophetic acts, they release something very powerful. And people like Lila Turhune and others, they, they're these you know, intercessors, prophetic intercessors, they understand these things. And I remember her talking about during the Brownsville Revival, they bought this huge map of, of the world and the nations, and they laid it on the floor. And they began to dance over certain regions. And did you know their prayers created? It did. It broke things through. And before they were doing those those dancing over the regions and before they had they had began to, to um, prophetically dig out the trench to the north, south, east, and west, the revival was contained. But whenever they begin to dance over the nations and prophetically they were digging out trenches for the rivers to flow, that seems silly in the natural, don't it? It seems stupid. You see a bunch of ladies dancing on a map. How about that? <laughs> You see people sitting there acting like they're shoveling. It seems stupid, doesn't it? But you know what? The revival broke out on every side. It broke out the containment. So what I'm saying is, is that these prophetic acts may seem silly to the natural mind. And people that deal with that, they deal with the the natural, the carnal mind, the worldly mind. That These things seem stupid. But the more your mind is renewed with the Word of God, the more spiritual you become, the more you understand that God is in those things. And if it's spirit-led, it's very powerful. And uh, I remember Rick Joyner here recently talked about the sons of Zadok. And man, that really stuck with me. He said, Zadok the priest, whenever David was betrayed by Absalom, his son, that he invested his life and his son betrayed him. And his son led a rebellion against him. And David had to leave Jerusalem with the people that were still loyal to him. And the only priest, the Beathar stayed back. The only priest that went with David was Zadok the priest. And whenever... Rick Joyner was writing about this. He said, the sons of Zadok, and that's a scriptural term, the sons of Zadok are those that follow the Lord even when it's difficult to do so. I love that word because that is so true. And I'm going to tell you, we've got to be willing to follow the Lord even when it is difficult to do so. That means being loyal and defending somebody even when you're going to have to take the bullet. And I've had to do that, and that's not fun. But nonetheless, that's a son of Zadok that will do that. And another thing is, I remember God spoke to me years ago. I believe it was in 2006. And he woke me up. It was late at night or early in the morning, about maybe 3 in the morning. And he woke me up and, and told me to go downstairs and told me to, um, to write this down. This was back before you know tablets and smartphones and all that for me anyway. And so I'm sitting there and I've got this tablet and the pen. You know, and God spoke to me and said, I'm coming again to a manger And the wise will seek and find me. And so I wrote it down. And what he was saying was this, because I had seen some things going on, but what God was saying was that I'm coming again in obscurity, in a hiddenness. And those that are wise will seek and find me. And so I determined at that time, because I had been caught up with with a lot of the um, charisma and things that were going on out there, I really want... really wanted revival and a lot of the stuff that was going on and i was pouring my life out okay and i was as much as i could getting involved in everything and all that was going on here in this region and god spoke to me and said i'm coming again to into a manger now think about the manger the manger was obscurity hiddenness and there was only what seven or eight people there it was a small thing it was and and god spoke to me that and he said but the wise will seek and find me there See, not everybody has the wisdom of the Spirit. That A lot of people, I'm telling you, you give them the opportunity to, to have God moving over here in obscurity and then smoke and lights and charismatic personality over here, they'll choose that every time. Think about this. The, the people will always choose a King Saul, but God will always choose a King David. Remember that. So I had to make a choice. Was I going to go with the Lord into obscurity or was I going to keep trying to do things over here? And we began to move, so did some of my friends that felt the same thing, began to go more into just seeking the Lord in the, in the secret place, more into to prayer and fasting and just being faithful with, with um, getting out on the streets, winning souls, hosting God's presence, discipling, having Book of Acts Christianity nonetheless, having that for sure, but, but in a hidden way. It was hidden. It was obscure. And I believe that that type of thing is like the sons of Zadok that's willing to go with the Lord in that because that's not easy to do. You have to follow him into those difficult places. Amen? All right. First Kings 22, 1. Those that will hear the voice of the Lord, and then I'm going to close this by reading over some symbolism, okay? And you probably have some questions. So what is it like to be a son of Zadok here? this is a priest I'm sorry not a priest this is a prophet by the name of Micaiah and he's one of my favorite prophets Micaiah lived in the time of Jezebel and Ahab now listen let me, I'm going to just read this it's not in your notes but just follow me for three years there was no war between Aram and Israel but in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. And the king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us, and yet we're doing nothing to be taken it from Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth-Gilead? This is King Ahab, a wicked king. But he's asking Jehoshaphat, a son of David, Will you go with me? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. This is the son of David speaking. Amen. First, let's seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel, Ahab, brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Now, how many prophets? 400. And they all said, Go, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. That's a lot of people. 400 people. Think about it. I like to try to put myself there. So you have the kings up there, Ahab asking all these 400 prophets, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead? Will God give me victory? 400 prophets, all of them are saying, go, the Lord will give it to you. But Jehoshaphat, son of David here, said, is there not a prophet of the Lord whom we can inquire of? He knew that these were Jezebel's little false prophets. And the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, Yeah, there's still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. It says that in your Bible. Tell me that's not childish. This is a king. He's talking like a little baby. But he always prophesies bad about me, so I don't like him. His name is Micaiah, son of Imla. And then Jehoshaphat says, The king shouldn't say that. You know, he's correcting him. So dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Josaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets around them prophesying. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenaniah, had made iron horns and declared, this is what the Lord says with these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed Now one prophet goes to the extreme of making his own props <laughs> he makes this whole thing with horns. can't you see him running around he's got his little horns. With these, the king will, you know, just to elaborate his false prophecies even more. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead, be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. This is a lot of peer pressure, friend. Okay, you've got two kings here. You've got 400 people. Let me finish the story. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, Micaiah, I can just see him walking toward the crowd. This okay? says, look, Micaiah, we know how you are okay and all the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king so just let your word agree with theirs speak favorably peer pressure right but Micaiah said as surely as the Lord lives I can only tell him what the Lord tells me he wasn't going to compromise so when he arrived the king asked Micaiah shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not and Micaiah says attack and be victorious whatever and the king said to him, how many times must I, Ahab knows, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, all right then, I saw all of Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd, and the Lord said, these people have no master, let each one go home in peace. In other words, you're going to die. And Ahab, <laughs> and Ahab gets mad, and the king said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? He has a tantrum. And so Micaiah continued. Therefore, let's go ahead and let's really go with this. And he said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attack, attacking Ramach Gilead and going to his death there? And one suggested this and other that finally a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, by what means I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets. And the Lord said, you will succeed in enticing them. Go and do it. Now he just insulted 400 people. He basically said, you're going to die, king, and all of you 400 people, y'all are false prophets with a deceiving spirit in your mouth. And Zedekiah, who had, remember the guy with the little horns running around? Zedekiah and Kaniah went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the spirit uh, from the Lord go when he went to me from you or whatever he said? And Micaiah replied, you'll find out on the day I go hide in an inner room. And the king answered and then said, take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, to Joash, the king's son, and say to him, this is what the king says, put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah is being hauled off, you know, and he says, if, I, if you <laughs> if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Mark my words, all you people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't you just see it? All right, and so Ahab's ticked off and and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat I will enter the battle in disguise so deep down Ahab knew he knew all these guys were false prophets why would he go in disguise so he's hiding in battle I'll enter the battle in disguise but you are royal robes alright so the king of Israel disguised himself the battle now the king of Aram had ordered his 32 chariot commanders do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat they thought that's the king of Israel so they began to pursue him, but Josephat cried out, and the chariot commander saw that he was not the king of Israel and stopped pursuing him. But then someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel, Ahab, between sections in his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I'm wounded. All day long the battle raged, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Arameans' blood from his wound, ran into the floor of his chariot, and at evening he died, and the sun was setting A cry spread throughout the army, every man to his town, every man to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried him there. And they washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, where the prostitutes bathed. And the dogs licked up the blood as the word of the Lord had declared that it would. So Micaiah prophesied he would die, even though he disguised himself and tried to elude it. Some random arrow found him. So who was the true prophet and who was the false? I'm going to tell you about the sons of Zadok. That was, that was very challenging for Micaiah to go against that crowd. He stood up to two kings who could have cut his head off, but he was still courageous. And he stood up in front of 400 false prophets that were all saying the same thing, and they were wrong. But he stood up against all of them alone. Knowing the word of the Lord can bring some persecution. Amen? All right, so let, now let me talk about interpreting dreams and visions. Y'all ready for some symbolism? I'm, I'm just going to read over this real quick. And if you have any questions. But interpreting dreams and visions. Sometimes it can influence the interpretation. If you're dealing with a male or a female. That has a certain dream or vision. Also it can influence. If it's a leader or not. Like a pastor or not. It can influence. What the Lord is. You know what the Lord is trying to say. So it can influence the interpretation. Also being familiar with can play into interpretation. So sometimes it might be good to to not have somebody too close to the situation. Let me give you a funny story. This is probably the funniest story I think I've ever heard about this example. So this woman comes to a a prophetic guy, and I I know of this man. I believe him to be a true prophet of the Lord. And she was crying and said, I had a dream, and I believe that my husband's going to die. And the prophet said, well, what was the dream? She said, Well, I, I went to sleep and I dreamed that there was this, this weasel and he was <laughs> running around in the road and he was chasing all these baby chickens, you know, and these little chicks, and he's chasing them in the road, and this this big truck just drives by and splat runs over the weasel. And so the, the <laughs> prophetic man of God was was thinking, he said, Well, obviously you think that your husband's the weasel <laughs> And she said, well, this is a funny story. She said, well, my I told my friend the dream, and my friend had this interpretation, and, and surely it is, because, I mean, we all know he's a weasel. Anyway, so the the man of God prayed, and the man of God prayed. I'm talking about being too familiar with people, okay? Her friend didn't like the husband, I was a weasel. So, But the true interpretation, actually, in the situation was this, that the weasel... Um, the prophetic man of God told her, said, do you, do you work at a, at a trucking company? Because it was this truck that, and he said, there's a there's a um, manager there. And he is sexually harassing the ladies. He's chasing them around like that weasel chasing the chicks. You know? And he said, God is telling you to not worry about it because somebody is about to deal with it. And sure enough, it happened just like that. But see, you see how somebody familiar, it's got to be your husband. He's the weasel. We all know he's a weasel. (laughs) That's not the thing to start saying, you know, he's going to (laughs) die. He was the weasel. Oh, man. All right. So here's some things that will help you in dream and vision interpretation. Okay. I'm going to give you some things. First off, there are certain things that are very clear in the Bible and there are other ways that God speaks metaphorically. I'll give you an example. You know why I knew that God showed me that the joy, that God was going to release more of the joy of the Lord and bring healing through that? A couple weeks ago, I was asleep, and as I was waking up, it's just funny, but it's true, I saw um, Ronald McDonald the clown, okay? I did, I mean, it's clear as day. <laughs> And he had his hand on the doorknob, and he opened the door. Then I was fully awake. So I don't. Sh- a lot of these things that I have, you can ask Brother Zach, and I tell. There's a lot of stuff God shows me. I don't ever share. There's a reason. But anyway, there's a reason. So listen. So what in the world about Ronald McDonald the clown? Well, God spoke to me that the joy was going to open up, was going to unlock the inner healing. That's what He showed. Me. And so just because, listen, just because you get something that seems ridiculous don't discount it like Pastor Jeff was talking about last night remember just because you get something that seems silly and ridiculous it doesn't mean that it's not God I mean we all know after last night's story with Pastor Jeff that God can speak some pretty ridiculous things okay but sure enough after I got that revelation from the Lord as funny as it was and as ridiculous as it was I knew it was from the Lord and I prayed about it, and then the next service we had, there was an outbreak of joy, very intense. Okay, I don't know if you guys remember that a couple of weeks ago, but that's what the Lord spoke, and He does speak through these dreams and visions. And sometimes it seems so ridiculous, and it and also He speaks in, in ways like sayings that we have. Like I heard of one person that had um, he had a dream or a vision that there was this big chip on his shoulder. Didn't know what it was. And and the prophet of the Lord said that you're a chip off the old block. you know, And you, your dad was in the ministry. Now you're going to be in the ministry. But you see what I'm saying? It, God speaks to those things. So don't discount things just because it seems weird, ridiculous. What is that? I was going back over some revelation we got back in 2011. I found an old, you know, the hot seat revelation stuff. And I was looking over it. And down the line, every person that saw something, it has already happened see, you don't see it that quickly a lot of times. But when you look back two years, you can see it. All right. The colors mean something, okay? The color blue in the Bible speaks of from heaven, revelation, power. The blue tunic, remember? It speaks of coming down from heaven. It's heavenly, revelation, power. But also in dream symbolism... It can represent emotional loads, like somebody has the blues, okay, they're depressed And so you have to have the context of the dream Purple in the Bible speaks of royalty and authority So blue speaks from coming down from heaven It's like a heavenly origin It's coming from heaven Purple speaks of royalty and authority Scarlet in the Bible speaks of the blood of Jesus It speaks of suffering Okay, But also, it depends on the context because it also can speak of anger, war, and destruction like you see in the book of Revelation where the horse that was blood, red, represented war, going to war. The color white speaks of purity, righteousness, and innocence. The color brown can speak of compassion. It's a pastoral color. On a negative side, it can speak of humanism. The color gold and amber, or amber, sorry, hallowed, but it also can speak of greed. The color orange can speak of perseverance or stubbornness. It depends on the context of the dream. On the positive side, you have perseverance, but on the negative side, you have stubbornness. Yellow can speak of the mind, or it can speak of fear. You see how that plays into, you know, somebody calling somebody yellow and chicken or whatever. It can speak of that seriously. So, God speaks to how many knows that God speaks to us in the language that we understand. Okay, He knows the way that that we talk. He knows our little sayings that we have. Okay, and so He speaks to us in ways that we understand. Okay, another thing in the Bible is metals, different metals, garments, and symbolism. The gold speaks of divinity like from heaven remember heaven's the streets are gold so gold again is like from heaven it's heavenly in its origin silver represents redemption throughout all the bible the way i remember that is like money silver christ has redeemed us okay another is bronze bronze is like a counterfeit gold a cheaper metal what bronze represents is judgment and suffering and iron speaks of warfare you don't see iron in the tabernacle because it speaks of war all right so when God gives you these things take note of these details take note of the colors that stuck out to you take note of the different metals now let me give you some interesting things here a lot of times in dreams and visions unclean animals can represent like demons also bugs can represent demons let me just read over like large vicious animals like bulls lions and bears can a lot of times speak of principalities remember that because i've had some dreams with bulls bull demons and it's no joke and i remember when we went to see remember karen wheaton talking about that we were there at the ramp with Karen, and she was in just an intimate group there, and she was sharing about these dreams and visions about bull demons that they had seen. And I leaned to Sandy. I was like, I've had, "We we know about this." And she was talking about that you're dealing when you're dealing with bulls and uh, lions and bears. Like you have a dream, maybe of a bear coming in and just <coughs> ripping things in a house to pieces or whatever. It represents usually principalities, very powerful spirits. Also, roaches, mice, rats, and flies can speak of little things that you need to get out of your life. That, For example, why do roaches, rats, flies, and all that come? Because there's garbage. If you clean out the junk, then they will go away. So the Lord, a lot of times, will say by giving you a dream about roaches, mice, rats, flies, everything, he's saying that there's something in your life that if you'll get that out of your life, these annoying things demonic attacks that's been going on will clear up in dreams remember this one or visions spiders speak of the occult they do and you know, i've had dreams and visions about spiders they speak of the occult okay so somebody may have a dream where um, maybe their child is is in a playground and spiders are crawling around their dangerous spiders and they're getting around the child and and they wake up and they're concerned like what, was, what did that mean? And then they find out later that in school there's some teachers that are trying to cram some occult teaching into them. Like Harry Potter, which they do that. So I'm just saying that, that God can speak a warning to a parent that something is going on with your child. But remember that spiders specifically speak of the occult. Scorpions speak a lot of times of black magic. Snakes Remember, Jesus said that we will trample on snakes and scorpions. So he was talking about demons in the Bible. That's what Jesus called. He said, you will trample on snakes and scorpions. And that represents demons. But snakes can speak of witchcraft. But also, they can speak of gossip. Because what does a snake have? It has a long tail. And gossipers have all these long tails they want to go around telling about so sometimes if you have dreams about snakes, it could be witchcraft, the occult something like that, but it could also be that there's gossipers flapping their mouth, okay? which no doubt are under the influence of an evil spirit. Or right, another thing, masks many times will speak of hypocrisy like two-faced. Like somebody puts on a mask and they pretend to be this when they're with you, but when they're not around you, the mask comes off and they're a different person mask speak of that hypocrisy two-faced so what can things like ants ants could speak of like an irritation unwanted guest or demonic attack but on the flip side looking at the context ants can also speak of wisdom remember in um, Proverbs consider the ant (laughs) you know so it could speak of wisdom now here's one to remember please remember this because this will probably come up in your lifetime at some point bees wasps and hornets anything that attacks you with a stinger speaks of witchcraft attacks the stinger speaks of witchcraft attacks that's one to commit to memory whenever you have dreams or visions of bees hornets anything with a stinger that is trying to attack you and sting you that's probably a warning about witchcraft because that is witchcraft attacks. Now on the flip side of that on the depending on the context if it's a positive thing remember that um, Lila Turhune teaches that bees can speak also of cross-pollination and intercession. So it depends on the dream Birds a lot of times will speak of freedom Monkeys will speak of harassers, mockers, bondage, like a monkey on my back, something that's harassing and trying to put you in bondage. Elephants, many times, will speak of strength and wisdom. Now, this is interesting. White monsters. People sometimes have had dreams about some kind of a scary figure. But what if it looks, the scary figure is actually white, clothed in white, and it seems benevolent but yet you know that it's not there's like a white monster what can that speak of it can speak of what the Apostle paul warns you about when he said that satan comes as an angel of light so you the lord may be warning you that there's a person that may look good but they're kind of like an angel of light they're really not good there's a dark side to them but they look really promising to you And he may be warning you. Moths, they eat away at things. Leeches are like mooches that latch hold of you. Turtles and doves can speak of peace. A turkey can represent foolish people. A donkey, stubborn people, or stubbornness. Horses speak of strength, speed, but also horses are very flighty. The Bible says in Psalms, don't be like the donkey but also don't be like the horse why because the donkey you have to get behind and keep kicking it for it to do what you want it to do but the horse just takes off it's like you're going too fast so god's saying don't go too slow don't be stubborn but don't go too fast and rush into things just move with me okay rabbits can speak of multiplication a balloon can speak of peaceful rising in the spirit like going to a new level This is one that will also probably come up. Remember this one. Things that are hidden. How many of you have ever had any type of dream or anything where things were hidden? For example, under the water. You didn't see it, but all of a sudden at some point you, you saw like a glimpse. There was something dangerous under the water. Or you were in a house and... you you knew something was off and you were looking down at these baseboards and when there was a crack in the baseboard you saw down in there and there was something like maybe a crocodile or something dangerous down it was hidden, it was underneath and you couldn't see it on the surface level things in your dreams that are hidden often represent that the enemy is trying to attack and he's trying to keep it hidden and the dream is meant to expose it And a lot of times, this is off the cuff, but a lot of times, crocodiles will speak of Leviathan. Spiders and things, witchcraft will speak of Jezebel. Okay? So if you see things like crocodiles and things like that, it may represent Leviathan. Alright, here's some more. Naked doesn't necessarily mean bad. Most people have had a dream where they were in their underwear or something, okay? So you go to school and you're sitting there taking notes in your dream, and then you realize I have no clothes on or I'm in my underwear or something, you know? But that doesn't necessarily mean something bad. A lot of times people associate that with bad, but it could mean in your dream, because this is God speaking to you, it could mean in your dream that, that God is helping you to become more transparent as a person and quit being such a secretive person. Um, listen to this sexual dreams can definitely be demonic, but also a dream that is somewhat that way can also be that God is trying to warn you that there's an old love of the past that's not good, that's trying to come back into your life. I'm not talking about necessarily an old boyfriend-girlfriend type of thing necessarily, but an old love like a sinful love. Like maybe you used to have an alcohol problem. Maybe you used to have Um, an issue with something else and it's like the Lord is trying to warn you that something is trying to come back and seduce you away from him does that make sense seduce you away from him to an old love that you don't need in your life I remember one time I had a dream that um, somebody was in my life like a girlfriend from a long time ago but I had a dream that in the dream she had come up like this and was whispering something and then I woke up and the Lord told me It didn't have anything to do with her. What the Lord told me was, He was saying there's some old, familiar things from the past that's going to try to come up, and it tried to come back up. See what I'm saying? The Lord warns us in those ways. It's symbolic. One woman had a dream, and um, in the dream, true story, she's obviously in the dream. She's around all these people. She's a godly Christian woman, loves the Lord, and all that, and she's standing amongst all these other godly Christian women, and she realizes that she's in a real skimpy like speedo bathing suit and so she's feeling very awkward she's like what is going on and so she has this dream and she wakes up from the dream thinking something's wrong with me okay (laughs) something's off and uh she goes to this prophet and she says this is a dream i had it's awkward but okay and the prophet said you know you're assuming that that is is one thing and it's not he said what god is saying to you because it was a speedo thing he said What God is saying to you is that there's now about to be some speed in your spiritual walk. You're about to move forward really fast. And it did. You can't assume that the symbolism is automatically what you think it is. You've got to pray about it and let the Holy Spirit show you. Okay? All right. Another thing vehicles in dreams often speak of ministries. Okay? Like a large vehicle would be like a large ministry or a large group of people. A smaller vehicle, a smaller ministry. So let's say the difference between like a speedboat be a smaller ministry, can maneuver quicker, but a large ocean liner may be a large ministry, but they can't maneuver as quick. It takes them a long time to make a turn. But vehicles, cars, boats, planes, trains, different types of vehicles and dreams almost always speak of ministries. So let's say just you know, just making up one up, let's say somebody had a dream where they had, um, a car that kept breaking down and, and it was an old jalopy and they were frustrated in the dream. And then that they, they were able to, to come in and trade it in and they got a really nice car that's working really good. And the interpretation could be maybe for a particular pastor, maybe he's a youth pastor of a church or whatever. And he was in a very difficult church, very difficult time in his life, frustrating. He felt like he couldn't get anywhere, but God was about to move him to a different church where things would be a lot smoother for him. See what I mean? It's like he's going from one ministry now to another. Another thing, what can sailboats represent? The winds of the Holy Spirit taking you where you need to go. Freedom. All right, stairways and elevators. These things speak of going up or down. So stairways could mean that you're going up. Now stairways is a slower way up and elevators are quicker way up but you're going up to a new level or like a change of office let's say you have a dream that you changed offices it may mean that you're coming into a new spiritual office addicts speak of old memories and dust speaks of inactivity and old age can speak of wisdom and here's a few more knives speak of severing swords obviously speak of warfare and it speaks of God's word so a lot of times the length of a sword And say that you have a dream your sword is this little bitty sword it may mean that you need to learn the word a little more somebody else has a dream and they've got this enormous sword you know and it's because they know the word of God fiery darts speak of attack gunpowder what what in the world with gunpowder remember this about guns gunpowder speaks of power Okay, power the power of the Holy Spirit the dunamis power so let's say that you point a gun in a dream you're about to shoot something that's evil that's been chasing you okay and just as you shoot there's very little it's like a cap gun just went off and your bullet just your bullet just barely comes out and falls down and, and you're looking at it spin around the ground and, and then you wake up God might be saying you need more of the anointing in your life you need a greater level of power to deal with some things that are coming all right battery operated speaks of weaker or limited a cap gun so i mentioned is just a toy no real power like a form of godliness but denying the power a water gun can speak of releasing the holy spirit seriously so i say that um you have a dream that you're mischievously running around and you're shooting your everybody with a water gun you know and What it could represent, so you can't just jump to conclusions, okay? It doesn't mean that in a few days you're going to become a practical jokester now. What it may mean is that God is about to use you to pray over people and release the Holy Spirit. So if guns, guns, knives, things like that, depending on the context, if it's coming against you, can represent satanic attack. So if there's a gun or a knife or a sword or whatever coming against you... Um, it can represent a level of attack. So, what would a bazooka aimed at you represent? Big attack, <laughs> terrorist, <laughs> or a terrorist plot that you are definitely going to help the FBI solve. No, it just represents a major attack. So, water in the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, but also you got to know that large bodies of water, like a sea, ocean, all of that, that will represent many times. A large group of people is when you read the book of revelation the the sea of humanity is represented by large bodies of water okay but also water represents the holy spirit depends on the context so what about water water can also speak of cleansing washing with the water of the word the river rivers usually speak of the holy spirit in revival and remember in the bible it talks about ankle knee waist deep and over the head so there's levels of the river okay various manifestations of the Holy Spirit he comes many times as fire wind rain river or he can be seen as a dove and dove speaks of peace various storms can represent satanic attack like tornadoes or hurricanes there's been dreams I've had and other people have had about maybe a coming tornado it doesn't mean that you need to batten down the hatches get ready because your house you know it's not like that it may mean that that God is warning you of an impending attack of the devil that's coming, okay? Clothing can represent mantles or coverings, depending on the context. Just a symbolic thing here, but running in a dream, you're trying to run, but one leg is not working, it could mean that something is holding you back. Like something's holding you back from being able to really run the race that God has for you. And pregnant does not always mean that somebody is literally going to get pregnant. Okay? What if what if you had a dream that Pastor Stephen was pregnant? Alright, you know? <laughs> Actually, Dr. Cho talked about that. It was pretty funny. But dreams can represent, like whenever you dream of somebody being pregnant, it can represent that they're about to birth something of God. Like a new ministry. God is planting in them a new vision and a new ministry, and it's going to start coming forth. Okay, so pregnant just because you dream somebody's pregnant doesn't mean anything necessarily bad or whatever. You know, a single person. Oh my goodness, pregnant. But um, it can mean that they're about to give birth to something. Also, dying does not always mean actual death. You have a dream that somebody dies. Oh no. You're going to die. Don't go up to them and tell them that. Pray about the interpretation. It may mean something good. It may mean that they've been dealing with something for a long time and God's going to help them die to it. And now they're going to resurrect into a new life. Scriptural numerics. I'm just going to read over this. One in the Bible is God's number. Two speaks of fellowship. Three speaks of resurrection. Four speaks of the earth. Okay? North, south, east, and west. Five speaks of God's grace. Jesus was pierced in five places. God's grace. Six is the number of sinful man. Man was created on the sixth day. Seven is perfection. Okay? Eight is new beginnings. Nine is judgment. Ten is completion. Eleven is government under man because it's falling short of God's government. Twelve is God's government. And thirteen is is rebellion, like a satanic government. 14 is deliverance. 15 is the bride of Christ. 24 speaks of divine worship. And then you've got 30, 60, 100 fold. 40 represents testing. How many times you see 40 in the Bible? They were tested in the wilderness, etc. 50 speaks of jubilee. 70 is the number of the Gentiles. And 100 is perfect fruitfulness and maturity. So knowing, and these are easy to remember, I would encourage you to memorize those basic numbers because when you have dreams, visions, or whatever, and those numbers come up, it's important to know what the numbers mean. And these are in the Bible, okay? And here's some other biblical symbolism. Mountains speak of hills. I'm sorry, mountains and hills Sorry, speak of governments. So a large mountain is a large government. A hill could be a small government. Many times, night, venomous, violent, or wild creatures speak of demons. Things like owls, jackals, snakes, scorpions, lions, wolves, wild dogs. Light will speak of truth and revelation from God, while darkness speaks of deception and lies. Stars represent angels many times. Fallen angels or God's servants, depending on the scripture. Beasts, like, and you can read over this, bears, lions, leopards, they speak of different things in the Bible. It explains that here. Go down one. Heads. And crowns speak of authority in the Bible. Heads and crowns. Horns, they speak of power. This is in the scriptures. And robes and mantles speak of like uh, authority. In the color purple, it speaks of royalty and authority. Fire can speak of judgment or cleansing. And height speaks of levels of authority. That's why God's throne is in the highest heavens. Because he is the highest level of authority. Okay. So levels going up represent higher levels. And yeast represents sin. I think that this list of symbolism will at least get you started. So the point is to now begin to, when you have dreams and visions and you see the color purple. And you see a sword. And you see that there's a spider. Okay, and then you see that something's under the uh, under the water or underneath something. You see that it's hidden. Now you can begin to understand what God's trying to say. As you take your sword and you kill the spider. And you run and you jump into your sports car, which is your ministry. And all of a sudden this wind pushes your car in a new direction. That's the wind of the Spirit of God taking your ministry in a new direction. Do you see how the symbolism... And listen, God speaks through this. So if you'll take this symbolism, you'll go home... And really read back over this and get this in you. I'm telling you, it will help you understand your dreams and visions more. Okay? So hopefully that helps. Now, tonight, I have something special. I want us to get ready to go ahead and shut down recordings. We love you guys. They're live streaming. We bless you, but we're going to pray for people now. Okay? So y'all ready to receive from the Lord? All right. So my heart in this series is that we begin to hear God's voice more clearly And we begin to discern what he's speaking to us more clearly.